Hello and welcome to Market Week in Review for the week ending September 2nd, 2022. I'm your host, Laura Bardowick, and joining us today is investment strategy analyst, Bei Chen Lin. Bei Chen, thank you so much for joining. Not a problem, Laura. Happy to be here as always. So today I was thinking that we could talk about three topics. First, the outcome from the Jackson Hole Symposium, before we move into economic data, before finally touching on housing markets and implications. If that all sounds good to you, let's go ahead and get started from the top. Sure. Jackson Hole Symposium just concluded on Saturday. What are some conclusions that investors should be paying attention to? Sure, Laura. So the Jackson Hole event is this annual conference that basically central bankers from the, around the world attend. And one of the keynote speeches that people always eagerly anticipate is the speech from the Federal Reserve chairperson, in this case, Chair Powell. And at the Jackson Hole event, Chair Powell really emphasized that inflation fighting is still their number one priority, that another unusually large rate hike, which is a 75 basis point rate hike, could still very well be in play in September, and that at some point it is perhaps possible that they'll reduce the rate of rate hikes, but ultimately for now, their focus is still on trying to get inflation back towards their target. Unfortunately, market participants were not at all pleased by the news. The S&P 500 was down more than 3% after Powell gave his remarks on Friday of last week. And if you think about what Powell said, to be honest, there's really not a whole lot of new perspective that he had offered. The Fed speakers we've been hearing from for quite some time now, they'd always been emphasizing that getting inflation under control, even if it meant perhaps slowing down economic growth to below trend, they were willing to do that so that the inflation rate would remain well anchored and inflation expectations wouldn't get out of hand. But I think what happened was at the July FOMC meeting, market participants got a little bit too eager and too enthusiastic after Powell said at some point they could reduce the rate of rate hikes, but Powell didn't say that they were going to do that. And so I think after the Jackson Hole event, market participants started realizing that the Fed still has a long way to go before they can bring inflation back down towards their target. And it's really not just the Fed that has this tough job. It's a lot of central banks in the developed markets, right? You heard Isabel Schnabel from the ECB also emphasize that if it takes sacrificing growth to get inflation back down under control, they'd be willing to do that as well. The Bank of Canada at their upcoming meeting next week they could potentially deliver a 75 basis point rate hike. So all in all, the message from the central banks is quite clear. Inflation, we need to get it under control, even if that causes additional market volatility. And definitely, it's been a volatile week in the markets. The S&P 500 was down Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday this week, slightly up Thursday. And then as of Friday morning Seattle time, the S&P 500 is up about 1%. So we are rebounding a little bit. But all in all, definitely some volatile economic times. Just looking at time, let's go ahead and move on to some key economic indicators that were released this week. If you could highlight anything that investors should be paying attention to. Sure. So we got a lot of data about jobs this past week. On Tuesday, we got the JOLTS data that basically tells you information about job vacancies in the United States. And for the month of July, there were 11.2 million job vacancies in the U.S., which in some cases is actually not that good of news because it means that there's this imbalance between labor supply and labor demand. And we know that what the Fed is concerned about is when you have this imbalance between labor supply and labor demand, it could cause inflationary pressures from a wage perspective. Thursday, we got the jobless claims data and the jobless claims, you know, they're, they're off of their lows. But we do see that the jobless claims still suggest that the economy is still relatively healthy, which for now, of course, is a good thing. 
but it also means that the Fed has a lot more work to do to try to bring labor demand and labor supply back into balance. And then finally today, we got the NFP, or the Non-Farm Payrolls Report, and that's one of the big reports that we got for the month of August. So if you look at the non-farm payrolls report, what we saw was 315,000 jobs being added in the month of August. Now that is a really resilient number, and it shows that despite all the rate hikes we've seen so far, the economy, at least from the labor market perspective, is still holding up pretty well. But remember, that also makes things more challenging for the Federal Reserve, because ultimately they do want to bring labor supply and labor demand back into balance. From another aspect in the labor market report, the unemployment rate ticked up from 3.5% to 3.7%. Now, some people might say, oh no, the unemployment rate ticked up. But really, that is only a small uptick. If you think about it, the unemployment rate is still relatively low. And if you look at what was driving the increase in the unemployment rate, it was actually because more people were entering the workforce. And more people entering the workforce could be a good thing because that will help bring labor supply and labor demand back into the balance, which will potentially mean that we could potentially still have runway for a soft landing. So the Fed it doesn't have an easy job ahead of it, but on balance, the non-farm payroll support was a bit mixed. Market participants seem to be more emphasized on the fact that labor force participation was increasing, which could help the Fed, and perhaps that's why the S&P 500 was up as of this morning. Well, that's mixed, but maybe great news, good context at least. Maybe we can move over, speaking of economic indicators, into the housing market. You know, there's been some relatively negative news recently. What's going on? Sure. So we as a firm put out a report back in July where we emphasized the housing market trends across several developed markets. And the bottom line from that report was we do expect that as the Fed continues to hike interest rates, ultimately that's going to have a, the effect of cooling off demand for housing. Now, it's going to affect some markets more so than the others. So in the U.S., the Case-Shiller Home Price Index for the month of June still showed a robust 18.6% year-over-year increase in home prices, although that was a slowdown from the previous months. The more timely Zillow Home Price Index, however, showed a 0.1% month-over-month decrease in home prices for the month of July. So we're already starting to see some signs that price momentum is losing speed in the U.S., and in other regions like Canada, Australia, and the UK, where they tend to have mortgage rate structures that are shorter durations, so instead of a 30-year fixed mortgage in the US, they tend to be three to five-year or even variable rate mortgages. In those regions, we have been seeing even more noticeable signs of price decreases. Mm -hmm. Now, ultimately, the good news is that we don't expect a repeat of 2008 to happen because this time around, you know, regulators have imposed more stringent lending standards on the banks. Banks have to follow Basel lending standards. So there's a lot more requirements there. And ultimately, that's going to help make sure we navigate the slowdown as the mortgage rates and as interest rates continue to increase around the world. Well, I think that's all the time we have for today. Thank you so much for joining. And thank you all for joining as well. We hope to see you next time and hope you have a great week in the meantime. <laughs>